0: Table. Bring it to Tennessee Farm Table.
1: Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table Podcast and Broadcast, a show that is dedicated to the people of the state of Tennessee who produce, prepare, and preserve food and agriculture, often with that mountain south Appalachian flair. And on occasion I just might have a guest from our neighbors from surrounding states here in the southeast. This is your hostess and producer, Amy Campbell. The theme song that you just heard was sung and produced by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. She's from Madisonville, Tennessee. Today, we are setting the table with pawpaw fruit, sometimes called mountain banana, or mountain nanner, with a taste that is sort of a cross between a mango and a banana. When they're ripe, they're about the size of a potato that you can hold in the palm of your hand, and they're indigenous to our area, found mostly in wet areas and along creek banks and areas that are moist. It is a real treat if you can find them, because the critters a lot of times find them before we do, our guest on this topic of the paw is Professor of Biology Charlie Quitt from the University of Tennessee. We also hear from Alan Benton describing the furniture in his office and sentimentality. In Fred Saussman's Potluck Radio series, he features that distinctive blue cheese dressing served at the Ridgewood Barbecue in Bluff City, Tennessee. Thank you so much for your good company here today at our Tennessee table. I really appreciate you tuning into the podcast or by radio. Now let's get started. Our first guest is Charlie Quitt. He is a professor of biology from the University of Tennessee, and he's going to give us a scientific perspective on the pawpaw right now. Will you tell us essentially what you what you do here charlie
2: sure sure Uh, i'm an assistant professor in the department of forestry wildlife and fisheries my area of expertise is in the world of wildlife plant interactions and in particular my research area is is, has mainly been involved in seed dispersal uh, which involves animals moving seeds in our landscape which is part of our subject here today i suppose yeah it's a great it's a great setup here to to be talking about fruits today with you.
1: Good. Well, I really thank you for sparing some time Your time, so thanks. You're welcome. Well, okay, we're talking about the pawpaw fruit. Is it native to this area?
2: It is. So we're going to just we'll call it a fruit because we're interested today in, in fruits and things that people eat. And so our pawpaws are, are fruits that are found on a species of, of I'll call it a small tree sub shrub or tree that grows in wetter areas in this part of the world it's actually found throughout eastern north america it gets further up from here goes further down from here Um, what's
1: it look like and what does it taste like
2: so what are some things that we can look for to identify this in 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 the field when i stumble across a pawpaw patch there are usually a lot of stems of it it's partly due to its clonal nature, so it it has uh, underground connections, and so you'll often find a clonal patch of it. Oh. The other thing, then, they're not that tall. The tallest trees can get upwards of 20 feet, maybe, or more, but they're generally lower stature than that. Yeah. One nice giveaway is it has a very big leaf compared to most things around it, and for those of you in the know, if you take one of those leaves off and crush it up, it'll have a real distinctive smell or odor to it.
1: Hmm? Well, so the fruit, what do people do with it?
2: So this this particular plant species, which is native to our area, it's a plant that is embedded in Appalachian folklore. People who have lived in this area for a while have, have used this plant for all types of reasons in the past including the fruits and so as far as some of the closest things that the fruit may resemble I view it as some sort of combination of custardy, banana type of it's, it's pretty fleshy, the fruits are rather large when they do fruit and they have big seeds but inside these fruits the, the, the pulp in there is extremely tasty bananas i think of when i i eat pawpaw yeah sometimes we're lucky as humans to actually be able to get our pawpaw fruits because so many other mammals out there are much more interested in in them than than we are and maybe those plants are in hard to get to places sometimes Mm -hmm. um, and they have first crack at those and those Mm. are primarily arboreal types of Animals that are able to get up into the plants that have those fruits probably get to them before they fall to Mm -hmm. the ground. That would be a case, unlike persimmon, where raccoons and possums are going into these plants that are a little bit taller than us, so we can't get to those fruits, Uh, they're going to get to them before we can.
1: Well, my goodness, there's such a history of old mountain music that talks about the pawpaw plants, the possum up a pawpaw tree (laughs) and all that kind of thing. And, And Charlie Quitt, I just thank you for sparing some time and talking about pawpaws today. Well,
2: thank you very much. It's been great.
1: Yeah, thank you. And if you just joined us, you are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. And we've just heard from Professor Charlie Quitt from the University of Tennessee on the topic of the pawpaw. It's really easy to plant a pawpaw tree in your yard or farm, or better yet, a cluster of them, in a moist area. And a reliable and well-established business who deals with these that I know of is Avi Askey, who owns Overhill Gardens in Monroe County, Tennessee. They sell pawpaw trees and install them if needed. They have propagated, saved, sold, and installed native Tennessee plant and tree species for the past 20 years, Overhill Gardens does not sponsor this show or anything. They just offer good products, and I know that they're guaranteed. And I'm a fan of what they do because they help to promote our indigenous Tennessee species of plants and trees, so I just like to let people know about them. Pawpaws are definitely having their moment in the foodie world, but for centuries, Native Americans have been enjoying these indigenous fruits. And using them for medicinal purposes. For centuries, indigenous people have been cooking with them and cultivating them and the growing range extends from Canada to Florida from the Midwest to the Atlantic. The Cherokee used the bark of the pawpaw to make ropes and string which were used to string fish and also ground the seeds as a powder to deter head lice. So all of us are crazy about pawpaws and all that, but indigenous communities have been using them for so long. And a delicious recipe that uses the pulp of the pawpaw is a recipe for pawpaw butter. It follows the same basic recipe that you use for making peach butter, but you just substitute the pawpaw pulp for the peach pulp, and you don't eat the seed or the skin, and the pulp will turn brown real quickly if you don't use lemon juice. I've posted this recipe for pawpaw butter on my website, tennesseefarmtable.com. In terms of finding a source where you can buy pawpaw fruit, the best resource that I know of on finding specific growers and specific foods in East Tennessee is Nourish Knoxville's Food Guide. And they have the food guide posted online at nourishknoxville.org. And as always, links to all of my guests and things that I mention, as well as the recipe, online tennesseefarmtable.com. How about if we hear this old folk song? It's in the public domain and not attributed to any particular songwriter. Here's a version performed by Brian Chalker and the Road Band. It is Way Down Yonder in the Pawpaw Patch.
0: Where oh where is pretty Liza? Where oh where is pretty little Liza? Where oh where is pretty little Liza? Way down under poor poor (laughs) patch.
3: Prettle did a lasso, where oh where is Prettle did a lasso, where oh where is Prettle did a lasso, wait and in the foe foe patch, picking up four bows, put in the pocket, picking up four bows, put in the pocket, picking up four bows, picking in the pocket, feed and in the foe foe patch. Let's go and find her, come on, board, let's go and find her, come on, board, let's go and find a way and gun in the fall patch. We'll big four balls, put them in the pockets, we'll big four balls, put them in the pockets, we'll big four balls, put them in the pockets, wait and gunner in the fall for patch. Come on, board, let's go and find her, come on, board, let's go and find her, come on, board, let's go and find a way down, gunner in the fall for patch.
1: Let's next hear from Alan Benton of Madisonville, Tennessee, on some of his furniture in his office at the Ham House. This is where the world famous Benton Smoky Mountain Country hams and Benton bacon get smoked and chipped from. And if you go down to the Ham House and peek into his office, you'll see an old enamel top table sitting there, and usually has a loaf of bread and some peanut butter and some snacks and things. And you'll also see a couple of old chairs there. I was always curious about this furniture, so one day I just asked him the history of it. And now this is a man who could go to the store and buy new. So sorry. Now, that table that you keep your snacks on... That, that belonged
4: to my grandmother, Ben. Uh, my father, when he was in the World War II... He sent money home, and she used money to buy some used furniture because they didn't have anything except homemade stuff—just homemade straight back chairs, ladder back chairs. Uh, the I local felt in their community came the bottom of them. You know the story, the typical Appalachians. But she used money, and after the kids were raised and gone, she used that little table in her kitchen, and that's what she ate off of every day.
1: I love that.
4: Cooked on a wood stove.
1: Mm-mm. It's, a, it's got
4: it's, history. It's got history, and that's the story behind it. The, the maple furniture you see there,
1: yes.
4: my mom and dad bought those used when they first got married, I guess, uh, and I've never gotten rid of them. I brought them out here, and I've used them in this business now for 40 years. Love but they, they were to the point they needed hauled off, but as you can tell, they're not collectible quality furniture but the sentimental value, y'all never get rid of
1: they're wonderful
4: (laughs) well it's uh that there's a story behind it i'm horribly sentimental me too i can't can't get rid of anything that belonged to family i have a hard time parting with it so
1: dad and i are that way
4: well nothing wrong with it
1: yeah (laughs)
4: we are nothing wrong whatsoever
1: thanks for letting me know about that You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table, and we have just heard Alan Benton of Benton's Smoky Mountain Country Hams speaking about sentimentality in his family's furniture. Up next is our friend from Johnson City, Fred Saussman. Fred is a well known food writer, and his book, The Prophets of Ridgewood An Appalachian Family's Life and Barbecue. Food of the American South, is a fabulous book to one of the best barbecue restaurants in the country, the Ridgewood Barbecue, located in Bluff City, Tennessee. In this potluck radio series, we'll hear about that appetizer they like to serve up there.
5: For Potluck Radio, I'm Fred Saussman. Ridgewood Barbecue in Bluff City, Tennessee is known for its fresh hams, smoked for nine hours over Hickory Wood. But many of the 70-year-old restaurants customers are equally devoted to its blue cheese dressing. Larry Prophet is the second generation owner of Ridgewood.
3: I like blue cheese, and my daddy's recipe was the one that was always the best. You couldn't you couldn't buy anything. It was really good. Sometimes you go to a restaurant and you'd find one that was a really good taste and stuff, but you couldn't buy it.
5: Blue cheese dressing was once listed on the Ridgewood menu as Roquefort, and the word was in parentheses. But the French name got dropped, the parentheses fell by the wayside, and the salad greens disappeared. Blue cheese dressing comes to the table in a bowl, surrounded by saltine crackers.
3: The customers demanded it. They said, give us a little of this for an appetizer. Give us the blue cheese without the salad. Take that cracker right there now put all that stuff that you can get on that and stick the whole thing in your mouth now. A lot of people say, I think I've got the recipe. And I say, well, that's good. He said, but it's just a little bit different. I said, well, not not many people are going to buy a five-pound block of blue cheese, a big round hoop one of these vendors says, We caught some it's cheaper. You can try it, it's just as good and they cut it up and the young man there at Ridgewood said, Try this I said, Provolone. I said, Take that stuff down yonder at the dumpster right quick for some fool makes that up into blue cheese. If you get into real blue cheese, you know it. It'll clear your sinuses.
5: Potluck Radio is a production of WETS in Johnson City, Tennessee. I'm Fred Saussman.
4: This is Alan Benton, and you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table.
1: Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website, TennesseeFarmTable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee, for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song. For updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording, connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.